Hello and welcome to episode 188 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. I'm Giles Alderson, I'm a writer, director and a producer. I'm Robbie McCain, director, producer. And we are talking today with the fantastic director, Anna Mastro. Now, not only has she made a whole host of TV, but recently she has made The Secret Society of Second Born Royals, which is on Disney Plus now. It's literally there on the main feed if you've got your Disney Plus subscription, which I know quite a few of you must do. So today's episode, we go in depth about so many things. What did you take away from this episode with Anna Mastro, Robbie McCain? Well, it's just amazing like to hear her story of how she first started because she had to move to LA, get a job as an assistant, work her way up. She became an assistant for McGee, uh, working with him on Fast Love, The O.C., Charlie's Angels. She also worked as an assistant for JJ Abrams briefly. So having to then break in like as a female director and the, the challenges she had to do, but she did it against the odds. She made her first feature. Really is inspiring. Her first feature is Walter. And it stars Neve Campbell, Mila Ventimiglia, Virginia Madsen and William H. Macy. And we do talk about that. And we also talk quite a bit about her amazing TV work she has done. She has directed... LA's Finest, In the Dark, Proven Innocent, Unreal, Shameless, Jane the Virgin, Awkward, Finding Carter and Gossip Girl. It's just a few of the TV episodes she has directed. She's a legend. It's amazing to have her on. She also gives you some amazing advice and tips on agents and filmmaking. All that is to come on this week's Filmmakers Podcast. That was cheesy, wasn't it? A bit of that cheese is just okay, Giles. A bit of that, <laughs> bit of that palm, parmesan. Occasionally, I like to chase it up on the Filmmakers Podcast. So, Giles, your movie, The Dare, it's <gasps> out now. How does that feel? Actually, it feels ace. It feels amazing. I just went to uh, a superstore to go check to see it on <laughs> the unnamed, shelves. An unnamed uh, popular supermarket unnamed, chain in the UK. but well-established <laughs> chain that does give you DVDs. Uh, and I went there to check out my movie, The Dare, that I've worked my ass on. And finally, there it is, right? Amazing. As you walk towards it, and it wasn't there. Um, <laughs> I think they'd sold out, right? No, I don't think that's story. Yeah, but uh, Johnny Grant got a copy, so, you know. Johnny Grant's got a copy, they loads of people exist. have got the copies. They've been showing me on their social medias. Thank you so much, all those amazing people who've watched The Dare so far. You can also see it on Sky Movies and on Amazon and iTunes and many, many places that are on digital. Uh, but if you want to walk into HMV or Zavi, if you're allowed to tomorrow uh, with the government rulings in the UK, then, yeah go please pick it up and just check it out and take a photo with it if nothing else it's cool as hell and tell me that you love it (laughs) even if you don't because uh it's been a hell of a journey and uh, i can't be prouder of it and i can't be more amazed that it's here finally it's here all across the world now pretty much Mm. america canada you can watch it now wherever you are uh seek it out you should be proud man you made a movie it's amazing and it's yeah, out man. and it's fantastic it's here for Halloween and everyone's going to be oh, watching it and you know shitting their pants to it it's going to be great <laughs> <laughs> I hope so I hope so so bring on the next one right <laughs> yeah so bring on the next one so bring on the next one news of which soon right uh, yeah news of which top secret at the moment soon. so we'll, we'll hopefully um, reveal all Yes, and thank you so much uh, to those who've listened to last week's episodes, and I say sodes, because there are two of them. Uh, It's the Dare specials where we go in-depth with the cast and crew of the film The Dare uh, about how we all made it and what happened on set and the fun and the magic and the heartache and the blood, sweat and sand that got everywhere in that basement. We also talked to Richard Brake, uh, Harry Jarvis and Mitchell Norman about what it was like playing those parts in the farmhouse itself. And finally, on part two, uh, we chatted to the brilliant uh, Robert Massa who played Dominic, our big bad, and he talks all about what it's like behind the mask, how to act behind mask. Uh, And he also talks about working with Sam Mendes 
and Christopher McQuarrie on 1917 and Mission Impossible respectively so thank you those who've listened if you haven't yet go back and listen and enjoy how we made the dare as well so I'm going to do some shout outs for some amazing people who've uh, been just cool as hell uh, Hank Moody um, Augie which is at MSQUE on Twitter uh, Mr. Wong's Lullaby Film on Twitter uh, Will Kenning you're amazing uh, uh, The Mike Fury Mike Fury thanks buddy um, I've got to shout out Josh's book as well Josh Forland's latest book is out and it is called Filmmaking the Hard Way and his new updated version is called Still Filming the Hard Way he sent me a copy because he's been on the podcast because he's cool as hell sent me a copy and it's brilliant it's out now still filming the hard way and I highly recommend it he goes deep into making his feature films he talks all about the problems the issues raising money all that good stuff and how to distribute it brilliant brilliant still filming the hard way Josh Volan you're a star we're going to get you back on very soon to talk all about that also shout outs to Bo Justice Oliver Cunliffe uh, and shout out to Murder Ballads I'm actually exec producing this movie but they have a greenlit crowdfunder going right now and I think they have just under two weeks left they have raised I think 70% of their budget 10 grand budget to go make their feature film Murder Ballads which like I said I'm just helping out uh, and giving them some support but really go support Mitch Tolliday the link to that will be in the show notes it is brilliant you won't regret supporting this film so we do now have an Instagram for the Filmmakers Podcast it is called the Filmmakers Podcast. Wonderfully set up by Callie. Thank you so much for sorting that out. So do go check us out because there are some cool photos and just why not? It's part of the cool team. Uh, we'll be putting more photos and more stuff up. So yeah, not only our Twitter at Filmmakers Pod, but our Instagram now as well. Yay for more videos and stuff and the like. Shall we get to our episode? I believe we shall, Jars. With the fantastic Anna Mastro. Here it is. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Good morning, class. We are going to have fun this summer as members of the Secret Society of Second Born Royals. You guys have superpowers. Uh... We're superheroes. <laughs> There's a special gene exclusive to secondborns of royal bloodlines. A gene that gives some of us extraordinary abilities. Your abilities are unique to you alone. This test is designed to help sharpen your super senses. Does that involve push-ups? I have a doctor's note for that. Oh, yeah, you're definitely not gonna like it. Royalty by day? Hero by night. It sounds pretty dope. Where the fairy tale ends is where our story begins. And one question I suppose I, I wanted to start with just just be really interesting um what what is inspiring you at the moment what tv shows what films are making you inspired to go out there and actually go i want to make something else now i i kind of got into like this sort of like international escapism type tv i got really into like my brilliant friend and for, for us, it's foreign. I may destroy you. And Riviera uh, mm. on the Sundance channel, I don't even know if you guys get that, but like any warrior nun, like anything that takes place in a foreign country, I was like, I'm in because I just feel like usually I travel so much and I have not uh, been in LA for this long ever in my life, probably. And uh, it's quite weird. Yeah, it must be. Are you from LA originally? Is that where you're from? I grew up in Seattle. And oh, I love Seattle. Moved here, you know, right after college. And uh, yeah, it's just weird to be here so long. And we've had quite the apocalyptic weather happening. We've had just fires and it was 115 degrees. I don't know what that means to you guys. Mm. It's hot, basically. <laughs> that would be too hot for you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll all wilt. Wake up and everything's covered in ash. And uh... Oh, not good. Uh, less films are getting made in LA now. Everything's happening in Canada or studios around the world. And like, normally, Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta everywhere. Seattle. <laughs> and you, you travel to these places. So you're kind of like, well, do I need to be in LA where it's 
hot, muggy, lot of traffic, and you know, I don't know. It's a uh, one of those. We shot the movie in in Toronto, and I love Toronto. It's like the greatest city. And then yeah. the year before that, I did eleven TV shows, and so I was only in LA for ten days from like June all the way through January. So, mm. so it it is quite weird to just be here. Uh, I yeah, think, like, I think even like at the end of the year, I spent like a couple weeks in Dorset. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely there. Have you filmed in England at all? Have you actually directed anything here? No, I really want to. There's so much difference. No, <laughs> I was trying to think of some way to make that sound like it's better to film here. There's no difference at all. But we've talked about this, I think, on the podcast before, is the fact that somewhere else to you is exotic. You know, like shooting in LA or America to me is exotic. It's weird, but it is. Whereas for you, you're like, nah, I've done it. I want to shoot in London. Hence why you like shows like I May Destroy You at the moment, because they show you a different side to London you see in the Richard Curtis films and stuff, you know. <laughs> and it's it's a good, it's it's a great show that I May Destroy You. My uh, my friend directed it along with Michaela Cole. Um, and it's he said it was just great. It's great to do. Really interesting shoot as well. So that's what's inspiring you at the moment. That's good. Have you been working on projects in this downtime that you've had, if you've had any? Yeah, I, I have a lot of TV, a couple of TV things that I'm trying to like sort out that are at studios that are sort of in various stages. Um, I had this uh, very cool like half hour TV show that is written by a comedian that is very like Fleabag, slightly I May Destroy You, kind of like just singular voice, kind of girl journey sort of show cool. um, that is, you know, on its second or third draft, waiting to hear if, when they're going to shoot it for HBO Max. And then, um, you know, uh, a kind of YA musical that takes place in New York that would be all original pop music that I love cool. so much. Yeah, it kind of finds its its way. It's about eight episodes, and it's based on a really cool book. Do you prefer to do projects from the ground up, like uh, develop them and get them ready so it's kind of got your fingerprints all over, or do you like dipping into series like you know LA's Finest or In the Dark that you've done? You know, it can it can be really fun to just kind of dip in and do a project, and you know, sort of not you know. None of it is really your thing. I mean, some of these projects I've been working on for years. And so, like, it is a very, like, long process to kind of get something made. Um, but I do feel like I would love the experience. I would love, like, the next experience of doing something that's a little more, like, True Detective or Big Little Lies in that, like, I direct all of them. I sort of started the development from the ground up. I really feel like that is the next sort of thing for me because I love episodic television. I love, like, the nature of it. I just really want to tell it all, like, a long movie. And I do think that's kind of, like, the thing people are becoming very comfortable with is sort of handing over the reins to like one director for the whole thing, especially if you are part of the development and the writing phase of it. So mm. that's kind of where I've been putting a lot of energy. What's it like building a relationship with um, a studio like Disney, um, who is sort of this powerhouse and uh, probably quite intimidating for some filmmakers? Well, it's, I, I think it's cool. Like it was definitely my first kind of like studio thing, but the cool part about it is that it was for Disney plus, which is a brand new platform. And I like love new platforms. I've always done that my whole career. Like I was the first one to do something for Verizon go 90 platform. And you know, mm. I did one of the first kind of cooler things. And I'm definitely like interested in, these kind of newer platforms when they first get going and to be one of the first like six or seven movies for them was very cool. Um, so I like that part of it because you're not coming into a very like established kind of older regime. You're coming into somebody who's still figuring out who they are. And I think they're a little more open to, you know, continuing this brand that is part of their title, but also figuring out who their audience is going to be through like new IP. So there's like this kind of strange, cool, like a little bit of freedom in it, actually. Mm. It's a bit Wild West. Because, you know, anytime somebody says, well, that's the way we do things, you're just like, well, you haven't done it yet. You know? Yeah. But, um, you don't know yet. 
yeah, gives a chance. Keep questioning everything, and you get you get to make some of the rules. It's pretty cool. It's amazing because uh, in the US, like you have so many of these um, sort of independent platforms. Yeah. Like we've not got as many in the UK. We've got like Shudder and uh, a few other kind of genre specific ones, and the BFI player and stuff. It's really interesting to see that opening up as like an almost like a new market like that's not traditional mm. movies or tv um i love traditional theater like going to the movies and stuff but can't even do that right now it's so sad isn't it i've had a couple of friends who've gone i haven't gone to the cinema yet robbie you've been to see tenet haven't you anna, yeah. have, anna have you been to the cinema yet no i haven't and i'm like ah why haven't i been yet this is my thing this is what i love to do but yet there's something yeah i don't know but is everyone else is feeling pretty much like that too hence why things are changing that's why pe- pe- places like disney plus and your netflixes and people like that it's it is the place for new movies and new shows at the moment and it is it's exciting in that sense that we can go well they're crying out for stuff let's develop it they don't have to worry about massive marketing spend for you know on the side of buses and all that stuff you just you can do less of it and, and still get the reach it didn't cost anything to them i mean there's no like it lives or dies on this huge box office success. It's like it it didn't cost them much, and mm. there's really like no financial failure. So look with the Secret Society. Let's talk about this first of the Second Born Royals. You could do you give it the full title every time. <laughs> I just I want to know. Yes. So sometimes we just call it Secret Society. It's really fun. Uh, it can get the audience it's aimed at, and it's just it's just lovely. Great performances as well. It's really nice. How did it come to you? in the first place what because your journey has been we'll come back to your journey but incredible amount of amazing tv and and this disney plus show so i'm kind of like great amazing how did it happen what was the process for you to get the gig to get the call and to be making you know this really rather cool kids uh, kids movie so like very untraditional story 19 years ago Wow. Maybe more now. Another director. And there was a woman who was his agent's assistant. Um, and she okay. and I were assistants together, essentially. And we knew each other way back then. And she's gone on to become a, you know, bigger executive at some of these companies and every company she's gone to for the last couple of years, she sends me a project and so she was at working at the Disney Channel and she sent me this script. I was I think I was in Atlanta shooting and I kind of like was like, oh, you know, I'm, I don't know how to make his movie. I was like, but I'll read it, you know, because like that's so nice of you to think of me and so mm. cool. And I read it and I was like, this is amazing. Um, <laughs> it was like this very cool 15 year old girl coming of age story wrapped up in a princess movie new disney ip action it was like friendship it was just like all these things i was like i, I think i can figure out how to do this and so when i went in to pitch on it um i think it was like in december not not this last year the year before I was kind of like, I showed clips of Gladiator and Snatch and all these wow. kind of lookbook of like how we would make Illyria because I'd never gotten to build a world before. And um, and they were down with all of it. Like they were really excited about it, um, you know, being different for them and, and being a little more sophisticated and, and really kind of serving up, you know, an action movie for a younger audience instead of it being a traditional kids movie. And um which I was shocked. I didn't think they were going to let me do it at all. I was like, did you, did you kind of go in thinking, hmm, yeah, this probably won't work, but I'm going to chuck everything at the wall. Yeah, And I pretty much started Good. the pitch going, I don't know how to make a kid's movie. So. Wow. <laughs> bold, bold strategy, <laughs> but it worked. So yeah, you stuck to your guns. So it worked. And I, and I, I think it was, you know, it was kind of a process all the way through of them sort of like, traditionally like opening up to making a bigger more adult movie for them um what, what did you actually show them i'm love the fact that you, you said you said gladiator did you do like a pitch and snatched, and snatched. <laughs> guy yeah. richie like. like a 30 page pitch deck that had everything from 
Illyria and what the palace should look like and the mm-hmm. city and the skyline to what the costumes would feel like to how diverse the world would feel and the casting and ideas. And, um, and then I would show clips of like, here's how I want the action to feel. And, and so stuff like that. And, um, you know, I think the whole thing probably took like 30 minutes to talk through. And then it was really like a lot of questions. And, you know, I think each time I pitched and it was a few times, there was like 10 people in the room. I mean, it was wow. so many people. And um, I. Mickey, Goofy, Donald. <laughs> <laughs> Daffy, yeah. yeah. Daffy was there. Oh, normally uh, drunk in a bar. You know, it's a very strange <laughs> thing. And, and um, I had never done that. Like, I come from independent movies or TV, which, you know, we're getting some budgets on now. Mm. You know, it's still a bigger thing for me, a totally different thing. And I'm ambitious. Like, I come from music video world where they're like, here's, you know, $1,500, go make, you make know, something amazing. Yeah. Go make Hazel sister for train, you know, go make, you know, I've had these incredible experiences where I've had no money and having to deliver something that's this glossy big product. Mm. So for me, that's, that's my kind of wheelhouse. So to me, having the budget that we had was huge to everyone else. They were like, what are you talking about? We can't do that. And I was like, yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yeah, we can. I've done it. I'll prove it. And isn't it fascinating, those two worlds, and they are different worlds, that sort of indie world, and then the bigger studio movies who go, yeah, but it costs that much just for, you know, the craft table, you know, craft services table. And you're like, yeah, I know, but we can we can make that. I know how to make that cheaper. I know how I could do this. And I, could do it. and I think that's really fascinating that you could go in there with that fresh sort of voice and said, look, here's how I can make this look like this on the way I make my, make my things. Yeah. And that must have been really interesting for them to hear. Uh, scary, I think, for them to hear. I mean, I think the goal is always like to go in and put as much on the screen as we can. And we had a lot of visual effects. We have, you know, miners who work short hours jumping off mm. the tops and they all have powers and, you know, trying to find a way to do it for a budget. And I knew we couldn't build a lot of sets. So I was like, we got to go to Toronto. We got to go to a place where there are a lot of interior existing spaces that feel big that feel royal. We can't build this. We can't, we can't, we can build some of it, but we really can't build a lot of it. And I think the palace is probably made up of 15 different locations, especially in that last chase sequence to, to the end. I mean, people are like, Oh, I love that palace. Where is that? And I'm like, it's, it's all over that hallway is in this city and this, you know, walkway is here and this <laughs> at this school college. And, you know, um, there was a couple locations we got really lucky on, but there was a lot that was just kind of mishmashed together. And my job was to go and take photographs and put them all together, almost like storyboards. And every two days, I think I would have these department meetings where it was like costumes, production design, visual effects, uh, stunt coordinator, who I fought really hard to bring my stunt coordinator because he's um, incredible. And they don't like to bring a lot of crew to Canada. And, uh, you know, and, and doing this, like, kind of like, how do we build this world? How do we design these sequences for the time that we have, which is not going to be a lot and, mm-hmm. and make them like work seamlessly. Um, and it, and it was really like this kind of group effort, like everything had to work in tandem to make it happen. Yeah. I mean, I'm really proud of the fact that it happened. Oh God. Yeah. You should, Amazing. You yeah. And, and I love the fact that, yeah, as you say, you wanted to make a kind of more of an action film for for a kids audience mm-hmm. rather than a traditional kids film, and that kind of I don't know, I, th- I think that's a really smart idea to age up the sort of film, so kind of have have something that kids can kind of look up towards rather than as something that is coming down to or to below kind of mm-hmm. the kids sort of level because um, I don't know that reminds me of like the action films I used to watch when I was when I was a kid and maybe sort of films that are like maybe pitched for a couple of years older than to you, but you still aspire to them because, um, because you, you know, that's what young kids are like. They want to grow up. <laughs> Listen, young kids are smart. My nieces are watching and they're watching Maleficent. Like they're watching mm. movies that are not catering down to them. They don't, they don't see that stuff. That's just for babies. So I think, you know, we just keep it really like legit. I mean, it still is young. There's no 
you know, there's nobody kisses, there's no swearing, there's no blood really. Like, you know, it's still for kids, but it's like we can make cool action, they'll like it. Even yes. for even girls. Like and I think that was part of, you know, getting over the hump with, you know, kind of convincing I mean, they were excited about it. It didn't take a lot of convincing, but it took a lot to actually execute. Um, mm. You know, we would choreograph these kind of stunt videos and then we would share it with them for approval and how it was going to work. And um, mm-hmm. it was, it was like nothing was just given, like everything kind of had to be earned every step of the way in order to execute it. And so it was a really cool, like crazy experience. How did you do the, the action um, sides then? Did you pre-visit all? Like you said there, you had to show Disney some of the, the stunts before you shot them. Yeah. Did you do that in previous or did you do that with stunt teams? Well, I, mean, I had to show it because I didn't have the days in my schedule or the budget to do it. Like in the script, it said like one line of like <laughs> what happens. And then mm. like, oh, that's not going to be fun. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for the audience. I mean, to, to their credit, the writers, Alex and Andrew, they did put in the last sequence, like he jumps off the roof and the, the brick thing. And, and there was a bunch of very cool ideas in there. But there was also some like they run into the roads and then they multiply and then they fight. And you're like, <laughs> okay. Okay. So the Let's do it. part about Matt Mullins, who is this stunt coordinator who has an insane resume, but he's young and he's wonderful we had made a short film together and then we had also worked on a Marvel series together. And I was like, he's my partner for life. He's, he's coming. So what we do is we talk about how much time we have. We talk about different action things that we want to happen. And then he goes with a very small stunt team into like a warehouse. And we've talked about angles and stuff and he'll film it and he'll, he'll put it together so that they can see it almost like a previs. Um, Cause we can afford visual effects previs. This is not Superman. Uh, right. Uh, so you know that that's kind of how we did it. We did like the we did like the indie film. We did like the cheap version of it, and then we reverse engineered it into storyboards and shooting time. So like for that fight in the woods, that one night that was considered a second unit shoot, mm-hmm. we didn't have a second unit. Like that was not happening. Um, so I was like, look, I'll shoot a six day. Just give me the one night. And they approved it. And it was basically, I think we shot from like 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. Whenever it was dark till 5 a.m. to when it got light. And that was the time we had to get that sequence. And sort of earning some of that as you were starting to show like a week or so of dailies was like kind of how it went. And by the way, when I shot Walter, my first movie, it was the same thing. We shot five days and then we got this Indiana unit, which we never had could afford before but it was just like sometimes you got to show some stuff to then get pieces that you want and and it's amazing how that process does not change uh, yeah even yeah. among the big boys isn't it fascinating that. i always wanted to make action movies i think part of my career early on i worked for breckheimer and um mm-hmm. And it's funny, this reporter the other day said to me, like, have you have you talked to them about doing an X-Men movie? He was like, I really think you should do that next X-Men movie. And I was like, you should put that out there. Yeah, put it in the in the um, report, please. Yeah, put that yeah, in your article. I would be so love to talk to them about an X-Men movie. I mean, that was such like first class was such an influence definitely on the thing mm. and kind of how, how we sort of engineered this into the movie because some of those things – had seeds in the script but they weren't like full sequences so um it was really fun i think i think when the audience watches them those are some of their favorite sequences in the movie yeah it's funny because matthew vaughan the director of first class he for ages wanted to do an x-men film i know because he was going to do x the third one Um, forever he wasn't even a director no he was a producer he was a producer Yeah. yeah yeah uh Doing, making films with Guy Ritchie, actually, to bring it back around. <laughs> His first, first two were, yeah. Yeah, Lock, Lock and Snatch, yeah. Snatch, yeah. I was actually living in London. I was going to school in London when Lockstock came out. And I was writing, oh. you know, papers for college on train spotting. And uh, it was very influential for me. <laughs> yeah. Tell you, Lockstock blew up. It was a really big, big movie. It was just, especially in this country, and no one expected it because Vinnie Jones was a bit of a joke, and maybe he still is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had but, a Jones moment at the Soho House when I was like nineteen, 
and he was like super intimidating and cool and i was just like oh my god <laughs> yeah. oh my god so what were you doing in london did you say film school um i kind of did this program my last year of school which really was more of a theater program but you could mm-hmm. sort of study some film and we went to a lot of theater and it and it was very strange it was like a boston university program but it was in london and i was going to the university of washington in seattle but i basically <laughs> like got all these credits and i got to live there for four months and go to like every cool you know yeah i got the blue room with nicole kidman and like oh yeah i remember I, seeing that i i just got to see all this stuff that was really inspiring and, and really informative as i kind of jumped into like Basically, I came back and moved to LA right after that because I was done with school. And it was like, okay, how do I, you know, take all of this cool stuff I've learned and figure out how I'm going to be a filmmaker? And how did you do that? Because I know from our extensive research uh, that you worked with McGee for a while. And you've mentioned it earlier that you were an assistant as well. So, how did that come about? How did you worm your way uh, into being a filmmaker? The difficult part that so many people find that first step really difficult and love to be where you are now when you're making movies for Disney Plus is an incredible achievement. It's a massive well done. But how did you how did you step forward? What were your little tiptoes to banging on that door with an ice pick? Yeah, it was a slow ice pick, for real. I, yeah. It was... I moved to LA 20 years ago. I got out of school. I moved to LA. I got some of my last credits. I basically couldn't even afford a car. I lived by Warner Brothers and I got two internships in the same building where I could walk. And one was for this guy, Mark Canton, and one was for yes. George Clooney. And <laughs> not bad. And that was my last nine credits that I needed to graduate from college. So I could work these two summer jobs and they would mail the diploma. Like I didn't even have to go back to Seattle. So. I did these two internships and then Mark and kind of, I ended up getting offered a job there. So I stayed. So I worked at Warner brothers for a year. And what were you doing there? Sorry to, but it's fascinating. What were you actually doing there? How did you get the job in the first place? And what did you do? What did they make you do? Like a development assistant job became available for this woman who is now, I think she's a book agent at WME and um, I read scripts and I did coverage and I answered phones and I had like the most very basic job, but I, I had a really good core group of people that I was around. And, um, and then I heard about a job opening at Bruckheimer. And so that was kind of like my very next job, which was like the weirdest assistant job because you just worked like 24 hours a day. And um, oh, God. But, but it was like when Remember the Titans came out and, uh, you know, I think, you know, just like there was really cool stuff going on there at the time. And um, that was kind of short lived. I was like, I got to get out of the office. I want to work for a director. I really want to be a director. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not a school person. Like class is just not how I learn. So mm-hmm. I ended up meeting this director named Mick G through a commercial producer that I knew. And we kind of like, he was just starting his company. Charlie's the first one had just come out and we met and he was like, your job will be nothing personal, but you're going to work like all, all hours of the day. And I was like, sign me up. And that was our agreement. It was way more of like an uh, apprenticeship type job. I didn't do like personal stuff, dry cleaning, none of that. It was like very much like I got everyone's meal on set and I made sure our, everyone had every piece of information that they needed. And I got to be part of everything, every meeting, every meeting with an actor, every color timing session. I mean, beginning to end. And he was like, making stuff all the time. He was really, really ambitious. And uh, so like going into Charlie's Angels 2, we shot 116 days. Post was incredibly long. We prepped Superman for a year that we did not end up shooting. Talk about like Mm. using an entire movie. Wow. Um, we Famously Superman. Yeah, that went round the house. Yeah, we, lots I mean, of it was a J.J. Abrams script. So I was like starting to shoot videos and J.J. was like giving me notes. Um, nice. You know, it was like this really cool, amazing experience. And, you know, I, I sort of assisted him for a couple of years and then I 
kind of went into being more of a production person there for another four or five years, just sort of trying to build a reel and shoot music videos on weekends. And, and it wasn't cool. It wasn't like mainstream to be a female director. Then like people weren't handing out opportunities. Like it wasn't like now where people are actively hiring and seeking out female directors. Mm -hmm. I think making that jump at that time was just like extremely scary. And when I did it, I have never like hustled or struggled more in my life. It was just really hard to get jobs. Um, I think I went through a CBS diversity program for television after I made my first movie, even I couldn't get jobs. Wow. Uh, And um, so, yeah, it was kind of like, it was, it was a real process. And like, I did a show, I did gossip girl. And then I did this like, teeny tiny movie with this incredible cast and i i struggled to get more tv shows or more work and then i kind of sort of discovered what is this digital platform i started shooting stuff for awesomeness tv all over the world and um you know i did this musical with a duncan chic for go 90 which was this really cool thing that was set in berlin that we shot in montreal and then started to kind of get back into like episodic tv and really just looking for the right next movie to make and it, and it took a long time in between and so mm. finding this one was like oh right ip right time you know like fresh just it just felt like the right thing to do it's not fascinating how in movie it was like kind of a dream come true and you know, even my reps were like, Oh, this is kind of a kid's thing. And I was like, no, I'm doing this. Like this is happening. Yeah. Especially the struggle you've been through the fact that it was really difficult for you and for many female directors. And like you say, it is a little bit easier now, but still not that easy. It's still really hard. And the fact that a job like this comes up, Disney plus you directing an action movie that, all right, it is, you know, you could put kids label on it, but like you say, you didn't make that movie and you made a very cool movie and you can't knock that. That's like, yeah, why would I turn that down? How hard you worked to get a movie made and then someone's going, well, look, here's an opportunity. Why would you not do that? And like you say, this could be your way into the X-Men or the way into more doors being opened. It makes total sense to do this. I totally see why you did it. Yeah. I felt like the right thing to do. I felt like the right time. And I was Mm. five seconds from doing a Netflix movie. So there, there was like a competing thing on the table, which came out much earlier. I think it came out like last summer. It was such a simple you know, romantic comedy, but it didn't feel like I was doing anything new. It didn't feel like I was telling a new story. Mm -hmm. Just, just the idea of even world building. Like to me, I was like, I've never done that. I have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a transferable skill as well today. World building is in. (laughs) Totally is. But I mean, jumping back a little bit there to your Gossip Girl, because that was technically your first TV credit as director, right? I mean, Gossip Girl was a massive show. It was really big um, because you, obviously you've been on the OC as an assistant and you've been around McGee and you'd been there uh, with the Pussycat Dolls and all that that world so you knew you you and you directed many music videos but the step up to directing tv how did that feel at the time was it nerve-wracking was it scary and what what happened what was different so basically you know it started with asking if i could shadow i had a editor who was our editor on the oc who's been like very instrumental in my career he's like this you know he's slightly older than me he he really had been an, a lifelong editor who became a director on the OC and he was very scared when he started he was like can you just come hang out with me and um and I made a short film this Neil Labute musical this crazy thing and um he was like why are you making short films you need to be working with TV like come and shadow me so I got permission from Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage and the CW and I went and lived on a friend's couch for five weeks in New York and I shadowed him on an episode and then when I found out they were getting their last season, I said, please book me. I will shadow one more time. So I went twice, lived on mm-hmm. marches, and then finally got a job in the very last season on the show. And it was not an easy thing to get. Um, and the show itself was really fun. It was a good experience. The cast knew me. I had been shadowing. I had been around. Um, mm-hmm. And the crew knew me a little bit. Um, it, was, it was still like a learning curve for sure. 
but shooting in New York with that kind of crew, with that kind of cast, it was just like an experience that like was such a cool first experience. I mean, it really was incredible. But did you, did, an inter- I, I love this question because it's, it's kind of true, but it's also can depend on each person. But has your, like when you when first do your first thing, you kind of over-prepare. I mean, like yeah. to the point of nervous breakdown prepare, preparation for it. Did you do that? And how has it changed now? Uh, I still prepare the same way. Okay. I'm a little more calm in that, like, I kind of know that, like, things are going to go wrong. Like, totally. Like before you used to panic and you used to get really nervous about making your day. And now you just really prioritize differently and, like, you know, I think having that sense of calm is like, you know, there are moments where you just got to get through it. And there are moments when you can really like hold on to that sense of calm. Um, and I think being around a lot of younger actors, like we had kids in this movie. I mean, literally when we were started shooting, the lead was 14. Wow. You turned 15 yeah. while we were shooting. It's like, you don't want to show them your stress. <laughs> like, you can't. Yeah, no, you can't. That would freak well, them out so much. Yeah. I mean, I think that that I've, I've definitely like come a long way and, and it still takes a lot of work, like not perfect by any means, but like I I've gotten a little bit better at that, but I do still prepare quite the same way. I go through the pages. I pull out the pages. I write down every shot I want. And then I kind of write down what I need. So like if I don't get everything or I get more than I need, it's great. You know, hopefully something happens. That's just magic. And, you know, as you, as you get, better writing and as you get these like incredible actors like it really does open up like what magic can happen and and you're not even expecting it and I think that is a great part about shooting a movie versus tv is like you kind of have freedom to take a little chances and and sort of rework things as you go and in this we were really trying to figure out what's an origin story what are the rules like what are the powers look like you know there were so many things i had never done before whereas in tv you go in and you're like okay this is marvel runaways we know that her power is like there there's this thing that happens to her eyes before she gets her strength and these are the beats of how that power works and so so you kind of go in like having this already set of not rules but like Mm. you know you know how how they've shown it before where it pays off and so in this we were still sort of sorting that out and figuring it out and really only you know and hopefully you surround yourself with this great team i mean we had this very cool young visual effects supervisor from a company called mr x which is based in toronto and Mm -hmm. he he was in all of prep he was on set every day and um really part of this crack team of figuring out how these things work and, and kind of a core person at beginning to end. Um, and that was a very cool relationship to have just like with a company and with a person who actually creatively wanted it to be so cool and not cheesy. As you've said, that's really interesting. You've kind of said that a couple of times now about working with the right people and finding the, your team and then holding on to them and saying, look, like with your editor and now with this guy, it, it, you're very much like... That you look. I've been through a lot with. He's just like yeah. amazing. It's so important, isn't it, to have those, almost your support around you who not only know that you're, you're good at what you do, but also can make you better and push you and challenge you, right? You got to hire people who are going to work harder than you, if not as hard as you and bring all their ideas to the table. And, you know, as a director and as like someone kind of leading this path on this vision, you got to be open to hearing them because people are going to have better ideas than you. And at a certain point, it has to just be this core vision of like, you know, you kind of at the end of the day, I don't ever forget, but like collectively you forget who came up with what and it just becomes the movie. Mm-hmm. It's a team thing. Absolutely. It should be a team thing, which is why I, I love to say now with my movies, it's no, no, we all did this together. It doesn't matter if you're the director. It, we all did this, you know, without you, we couldn't have done this. It's very true. It, a lot of directors do forget that sometimes. And maybe I have been in the past. You go, no, it's mine. It's mine. It's your, but no, you wouldn't have got here without that. You wouldn't have that shot without what? that. Someone yeah, brought a lens of it. Maybe something smaller, maybe, you know, uh, before sunset. Yes, you Mm. do it on your own. Like there there are people who can do that. 
I find that the really fun part of filmmaking is having this like team kind of thing. And, and in a movie like this, where we're actually showing a team succeed, I think yes. that was really important um, to like go in with that. And it was scary. I'm not going to lie. It was scary. Like none of us thought we were going to pull it off. Really? I mean, we wanted to, and, and we were very gung ho about it, but we, we were afforded eight weeks of prep. Like this was not a big movie. Yeah. That's tight. Very ambitious. Like, mm -hmm. what do you think would have happened if, I mean, do, do you had to go, I mean, cause you're being very ambitious. Like you said, you're really pushing the boat out. So what were you prepared to go? Okay. Yeah. We, we, we failed or we, <laughs> what would have happened? You don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, you go into battle thing, you're going to fail. No. No, no, of course. But what I mean is, did you, if it had have gone wrong, what would, you know, and Disney had gone, nah, look, we're not, you're not making the days or was too ambitious. What did you have a plan or were you just battling through? I mean, that's the thing with younger actors. They have these very limited hours. So you don't even have yeah. the option to not make your days. The teacher will just, it never it's happens. true. They're done. They're coming off set now. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Or the sun will go down. I mean, that was the thing when I just did LA's finest, this mm. show you mentioned and uh, with Gabrielle union and Jessica Alba and everything is backlit. Like everything is light dependent. Every action sequence is outside. The sun goes down. Your day is over. Right. Like you don't even have, you can't get overtime with the sun. <laughs> It's very true. You, know, you can there's, try. There's, you can do some days where you can, you know, do some shots around the kids. And there are some days where you use stunt people. And, you know, there were some things. But I think in general, we did a really good job. And we, you know, didn't have a lot of making day issues. But it That's was good. tough. Yeah. Of course it is. I think, I think even, I imagine even doing the massive things is still really, really tough because there's so much to organize and do and what waiting around time must be worse. And, you know, and the fact that you're very, I imagine that you're on set, there's things happening all the time. You're not stopping There's thing. You don't get a chance to sit down or think your feet are killing you. You know, you've just got to keep going. Um, it's I've tough. I've done so much TV the year before and I, I do work quite a bit. Like I'm ready for these like 15 hour days. And now you're talking about an 11 or 12 potentially hour day. It's like, these were like, Luxury. not half days to me, but they were very, they were, they, they didn't destroy you as a human being. Um, That's good. It was, that was kind of a fun part. I didn't realize that about making sort of a younger movie that like, it, it can have its benefits as well. It's really yeah. planning. The planning has to be ex executed so perfectly because then when you get there, like that sequence in the uh, training facility, when they start to find out their powers and that big mm. game room thing, I think we had three days to do that. And the scene at the end and a couple other things in there. Wow. Basically okay. we had it so dialed in that it, I think only took about two. And then we were able to actually do the scene at the beginning and the end on the third day and not have to do any of the stunts or the action. That's incredible. Big sequences. And, and what was it about the planning that you did? Because I think that's really interesting. What you're saying there is you planned it to a T, planned it to a T. Could you just go into a little bit of detail there for our listeners about what it is exactly you were planning? Yeah. So, so again, it's, it all starts with these meetings, these painful, painful meetings where you break. <laughs> what are their powers? What are the beats they're going to find out? How does it work? Make sure it matches in the writing. Then yes. talk about how the set could potentially look and how the costumes could potentially look to pay off in the sequence. Mm -hmm. and, you know, color scheme and all of that. Then visual effects can talk about how many shots that they can afford and where it's coming from and how it will work. Then the guy goes and designs the set. Then we go and do our stunt video in this like warehouse with blocks and pieces of wood and things, you know, and it's, it's pretty funny. Like the stunt guy gets hit and then, you know, women are playing men and vice versa. It's mm -hmm. hilarious. And then we storyboard the whole sequence from the video. And then we say, okay, this is how much we can potentially get done in this amount of time, knowing how long it will take us to film it. 
And then we sort of get scale back and cut it down a little bit. And then we kind of find this medium and everyone has a set of boards and you realize that like A, B, D, E, F, Z are all part of one shot. And then you kind of like go in and try to execute the shots. And we had some pretty cool like um, camera gear. We had this guy with like a, a, a rig that, that he holds like this. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to kind of like move with the kids in, in various. Setups. Nice. And then yeah. actually was able to combine many more shots that I thought were going to have to be set up differently. Um, yep. And so it was just like, it was, re- it was executed very well. It's like clockwork, which is, which is on a movie like that. I think vitally important and actually really good for the kids yeah, because, because they, that day you're going to have so many problems. Nobody's going to get into the building in time because only mm-hmm. people at a time can go in the elevator. You know, everything is going to go wrong. So as long as like, you know what you got to do, like the kids are going to take too long to get into the outfits. It's like something's going to break, you know, there's yeah. like, all <laughs> that's still wearing like a piece of tape and then you're gonna have to do it again and like <laughs> you know, I mean, everything will go wrong so you just prepare as well as you can and you really got to be buttoned up and then you go in you know hopefully it flies a little bit and we you know lucked out on a lot of those type of sequence and you're indoors so you're not gonna have rain mm-hmm. big, big plus the shoot with the uh, multiplication james and you know, them in the night, in the woods, rain the, yeah. night. rain the whole night. We didn't have enough outfits. If the outfits got muddy for all the doubles and like, <laughs> wow, basically what happened is we had such a canopy of trees that it didn't hit us. Okay. But we had issues with smoke consistency and, you know, another film shooting on the same campus that was blocked no thick and like, you know, I mean, there are things. And at that point, uh, for that sequence, it was like, we just go. We just go. And I think, in fact, it was the night that the Raptors won the finale, like the playoffs. and Playoffs, yeah. Like, you cannot make us keep shooting. We have to watch the last two minutes. So we all stood around this, like, cell phone. And <laughs> We're in Canada. We have to support the Raptors. <laughs> watched over each other's shoulders and then they like won and it was like an epic party and then they like plowed through till 6 a.m it was just like crazy wow 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 this isn't it amazing how what you can get done what you can achieve with the right kind of planning the right kind of team around you it can work because you know you're going to get problems anyway so plan for those problems and if they don't happen great you can go home a bit early but if they do you plan for it right what i did not plan for in toronto was just the epic mosquitoes i mean there were nights where i had so many bites that i was just like we gotta go home like i have bruises everywhere i have so many bites they're like welts and everyone who lives there is totally used to it. Like they don't get bit like that, but I had epic mosquito. Bites. Oh, I didn't know Canada was like that. Oh, yeah. they don't put that in the brochure. Like, <laughs> jeans, like completely like, wearing a beekeeper suit. And still. oh my gosh. Well, nowadays you'd have the full, you know, you'd have to have the full mask on anyway. So you'd probably not get as bitten as much, but oh, that's, it's no fun. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll come back to, to uh, secret society in a little bit. I, Again, I wanted to just see how you got got there. Um, after Gossip Girl, did that open a few doors for you? Because it's it's 2012. It was a couple of years before you made your feature, Walter. What wh- how what happened after that? Because that's a big step. They kind of dovetailed into each other. So when we were shooting Gossip Girl, which was like a big jump to finally get a TV show after you know a really long time of trying. Yep. So I, I do Gossip Girl. It goes really well. And what I found was that like people were like, oh, you only make TV shows about teenagers now. Like this is your box that you can live in. And it, and they actually put you in that. Is that kind of a real, does that really feel like a real thing? It was not easier to get stuff after that. But what happened was we got $500,000 to go shoot this movie, Walter. And, you know, made... William H. Macy signed on and Virginia Madsen and then we started uh, Nev Campbell and, and yeah. And so we started to shoot that and it was so low budget. It took me so long to finish post that I found it really hard to get back into TV after that. I kind of thought, okay, well when I'm ready, I'll just book another TV show. Like that's how it works. Right. 
but it didn't mm-hmm. work that way. It was like really, really difficult. And so I started shooting stuff. I did a series called guidance for awesomeness and Hulu. I, I started doing some stuff that was like, you know, lower budget just to be working. And then I got into this program at CBS where I was again, shadowing, excuse me, shadowing on Jane, the Virgin and that led to doing a handful of episodes with them. But I had to go back and shadow. Like I had That's to amazing. work for free and basically try to get back in. And even after doing that, that was a very specific box that people wanted to put you in. So like when I wanted to do shows that had more action and stuff, I went and shot another short film. Like I went and shot this thing called Urchin, which mm-hmm. was... Um, Marco Ramirez, who was the daredevil, you know, showrunner and wrote on a, yeah. like he had written this cool short and I had some crew that wanted to go make something and we were able to shoot this short film. And, and that kind of like allowed me to get into like Marvel camp um, and finally break that action thing down a little bit, but it, you know, every step you kind of get stuck. That's so, I find that really fascinating though. The fact that you've done gossip girl, and then you were made a feature with William H. Macy and Virginia Madsen. And suddenly it people are going, yeah, no, no, we're still not having you. Isn't that, it, it blows people's minds. It blows my mind. You think you work so hard, you get there and then they go, yeah, no, you're going to have to shadow again for a bit. We, we haven't seen you for a while. It's madness. It, it is something that like you never forget because, you know, it is extremely difficult. And, you know, even, even now it's like, I've been out of doing TV for the last year and a half because I've been on this movie. The movie's not out yet. Mm-hmm. And people are like, well, what have you been doing? And you're like, really? I am hoping that like, and, and because we finished the mix for the movie an hour, we finished the online for the movie an hour after lockdown, you know, we're in a new world. Like nothing is really, no movies, no their start date, no TV mm-hmm. is like fully up and running yet. Like things are starting and if it goes well, more will go. But like, you know, we're still kind of operating in a different world right now. And, and I'm hoping yeah. that, you know, people will want movies and stories and TV like they did before. I really am. And then we can all go back to work. But it's not like we've solved this, you know, pandemic in any way. Nope, not yet. Nope. Um, even though we, we, what's happened in the UK is we have got... Um, uh, insurances now from the government which cover your insurance uh for filming on set which is so important that people can get back to filming because before it was only covered by 10 yeah. percent for if anyone got covid during filming or you had to stop um it, it's it, it's huge because that covers you uh, an independent movie you'd just be shut down what can you even know we're all not working for 14 days would be a massive issue and now and the ad that i had on la's finest uh I mm-hmm. say three or four weeks ago he passed away from covid oh, oh my gosh and who knows how he got it but he was on a commercial shoot in texas and you know that's kind of what they're saying of how he got it and he passed away two weeks later um and he was young like you know kid in college and high school and like um it's not not out there. I mean, I think we have as many protocols as we can in place to keep people safe going forward. You know, you get tested three times a week or daily. Mm-hmm. However, they're doing it based on a show and insurance and all that stuff. But it kind of hit me hard. It was really sad. It was good, good. That's ridiculously sad. And actually, the first I've heard on a on a set from my end. I mean, who it's... knows how someone really does? Wow. Yeah. Pick it up. No. In fact, I've had way more friends in the UK that have had it than here. Right. Oh God. It's, 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 it's a, it's a thing that we, it's just, I'm, I'm just kind of hoping some miracle comes along and, you know, there's some amazing cure and it's, we can all go back, but maybe it'll never happen. And that to me is devastating. It really is. Everyone who had a fall start is like spring. Like that's the answer right now, you know. That's what, yeah, that's what I've been told. Spring, spring, yeah. In, in September is like January. I think everyone's mm-hmm. just wanting to like get through this election and see how this vaccine process goes, and like everyone's a little nervous. Yeah, terrifying. Wow, it's uh, 
But but in a sense, kind of a good time to release a movie online, and we're not looking for oh, we wish you know that that helps in any way. But the fact is, you know, I've had a couple of movies out during this time, and it has made a difference. More people have watched the movie than would have done. I mean, and the time traditionally kids would go back to school. It's like mm-hmm. online school. It's like it's so nice to be able to give them something new right now. It feels like such good timing, and really like. Yes, all the cast is like, no premiere. This is my first big movie. Like, I know. But to be able to put it out right now is like, feels really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So at least, at least there's some positives from that, that movies that do come out, if you have made one and it's, it's, people will snap your hand off a little bit for them at the moment as well. But also, people will watch it. People will go, we've got no excuse. You know, we tell your mates and who've got kids or whatever it is, you've got no excuse. Movie's out. You, you, what else were you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? You weren't doing anything. You're not allowed to do anything else. Yeah. So watch our movies. <laughs> um, Plus is actually worldwide. I think they've finally gotten to that place where they are worldwide now. So yes, it's a, it's a, it's potentially a lot of eyeballs. Yeah, I mean, and that's yeah, and that's amazing. I think yeah. the first movie Walter like premiered at one festival and then came out in however many theaters, and then it's like on Amazon Prime. But like, this is like you know, people will hopefully get a chance to see it. Uh, totally. Well, it'll be in their faces as soon as they put Disney Plus on. I imagine there it'll be. It'll be like you know, certainly for the first couple of weeks, and that's super exciting for you. That must feel amazing. Must be really exciting. Are you going to do a virtual premiere? I don't like with know the- what we're going to do yet. I mean, we really haven't sorted it out, even though it's like in, you know, four days. But- yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's four days away, but that's fine. I mean, it's so exciting, though. Congratulations. It's huge. Such a wonderful, fun movie. Um, a couple of questions before you go. First of all, you mentioned earlier that you, at the time of, of, of making um, – a secret society is that you had a chance potentially to do something else. And we talk about this a little bit is the ability to say no to things because it's so hard as filmmakers. And you know, this with the battle, the struggles, a female filmmaker to get a project made for you to be directing it. Have you got better at saying no to projects that you know, you probably shouldn't be doing. I haven't even gotten a chance to, because this just got finished. It's like lockdown happened. So, right. yes, there has been some things like over the summer and stuff that I have gotten to say no to, but there's also not a lot out there right now, whereas before it was just continuously production was happening. So I haven't even gotten that chance yet. <laughs> but even before that, when you were doing the TV, was the things that you you had a chance to say no to or you did say no to and you were happy that you'd done that? Cause it can be difficult. Yes. Um, against all of my reps wishes. Uh, yes. There have been a couple of things that I've said no to. I think I'm still really driven to work on stuff I care about and that I like. And, um, mm. and that is not typically what you do in TV when you're like getting going, you kind of just say yes to everything and you shoot as many things as possible. And, you know, it's it's definitely more about the financial, but for me, it's always been about the creative. That's a great answer, uh, Robbie. You got one? Yeah, I was wondering um, with Anna, at what stage did you did you get representation like in LA, like in your career? Because that can be quite a difficult thing for filmmakers to knowing like, oh, should I get an agent to get work, or should I wait till I'm a bit more established after you've sort of done your shadowing and stuff and then and then get an agent i had a really untraditional way of getting an agent (laughs) i had a collection of music videos that i had done really all like super low budget stuff and i was producing a reality show while i was still working for mcg and that reality agent was like oh let me show your videos to an agent at william morris and i got an agent that way and then i ended up switching agents as i had more work but um Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that was your sort of in. Yeah. I mean, I had a manager first um, and I have a manager now who's very instrumental in like helping me figure out these different shows I want to develop and sort of front ground up things. Whereas agents are very good at like, here's a script. Do you want to do this? Or here's a show Mm. happening. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so my manager has been really, really helpful in that. I think, I think if you can get some rep- representation, you don't need everything, but like if you can, and if you don't have it, I don't think it matters either. We have thousands of writers right now who have no agents and they're all working. A lot of them are working. So uh-huh. there's a whole different networking system right now of how people are getting jobs and many jobs like this movie. I did not get through an agent. Right. Yeah, of course. It was from your contact from years ago. And assistant with, and a lot of mm. work has been that way, even in TV. Which is a, a massive advice in itself. It's like, be nice on your way up, you know? You don't have to have an agent. What you have to have is work. So, like, go shoot some work on yep. whatever means possible with your group of friends, by yourself, whatever it is, and try to find a way to get people to see it. Make mistakes, like... Try to do all the things when, you know, people are not sort of scrutinizing every move. And then hopefully you'll have some work that you're proud of and someone will find you or you'll find someone through a friend. Like, I do think that that is kind of the way, because that whole system of like, you make a movie, it goes to Sundance and you get signed by an agent. Like, that's not really a realistic path for a lot of people. I mean, it does happen for some. And it's amazing. And I love festivals, but like, I've never really been that person. It's wonderful getting out there. And, and it's clear that I guess with a lot of your, um, like the shadowing you did and, and making connections that really kind of interwove you with the, with the industry and put you in a really good position. So even though it was difficult to do and you put in the hours, um, it's, it's looking like it's really paying off for you. So. But I feel like it's yeah. that way, not just for directors or writers. Like I have friends that are DPs who are like, basically like they work all the time. They make a ton of money. They'll shoot your short film for free because they believe in you and you're going to get work and you're going to hire them. You know, like it is always this system of like some for the money and some for the investment and some for your career building, like it in your relationship building. I, I do think that this industry has to stay that way or it will not have the same creative impact. I love that. Don't be afraid to ask. It's such great advice. Anna Mastro, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Really, really appreciate your time mm-hmm. chatting to us. Thank really you. do. Um, Secret Society of Secondborn Royals is out now on Disney+. Plus. Uh, when this goes out, it will be out. Um, that is so amazing. Congratulations. Huge wishes to you. I uh, hope it goes really well in the next few days. Um, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Amazing. Uh, remember you can go out there and make your indie film you can make it happen and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well just as Anna has done then remember to send the elevator back down uh, I've been Giles Alderson you can follow me at Giles Alderson on Twitter the podcast at Filmmakers Pod where you can get a whole back catalogue of 180 odd podcasts now all about filmmaking to inspire you to go out there and make your film uh, Robbie where can people follow you? You can follow me at Robbie McCain on Twitter, Instagram, all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely amazing. And Anna, where can people follow you? Is there any? Are you on socials at all? Yeah, I'm mostly Instagram at Anamastro4. Four? There's four of you. How dare they? <laughs> it's just rude. Brilliant. So do follow Anna there. And amazing. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care and go out there and make your film. Just be safe. All the best. We'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.